This is Eric Zolke, Web Communications Manager at the Population Reference Bureau. One out of every nine girls in developing countries has been forced into marriage between ages 10 and 14. Joining me to discuss the often overlooked but prevalent practice of child marriage and its effects is the Honorable Mary Robinson, the President of Ireland from 1990 to 1997 and UN High Commissioner for Human Rights from 1997 to 2002. She was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Obama in 2009 and is Chair of the Aspen Institute's Global Leaders Council for Reproductive Health. She is currently President of the recently launched Mary Robinson Foundation, Climate Justice, based in Dublin. She is also a member of the Elders, an independent group of eminent global leaders brought together by Nelson Mandela who support peacebuilding, help address major causes of human suffering, and promote the shared interests of humanity. The Elders are working to forge a global civil society alliance for a world without child marriage. Welcome, Mrs. Robinson, and thank you for taking the time to talk today. It's a pleasure. With all the global problems and human suffering around the world, why did the Elders decide to focus particularly on child marriage? We began our focus as part of a concern about uh, the need to support empowerment and equality of women and girls. That was a very early priority encouraged by Nelson Mandela himself. And initially we issued a strong statement uh, regretting the fact that sometimes religion and tradition can be used to subjugate women, to hold women in inferior positions. And we called on both religious leaders and uh, also traditional uh, chiefs and leaders to uh, empower and support women and girls. And then we wanted to have an area that would give us a more practical focus. And each of us was aware, in fact, of the extent and the lack of visibility of the issue of child marriage. And we wanted to use our moral voice, if you like, to join with the many groups that are tackling it at local level. In December, you co-authored an opinion piece with Desmond Tutu in the Washington Post on ending child marriage in which you stated that empowering girls is one of the most effective ways to improve the health and prosperity of societies. But many families that are desperately poor, in fact, uh, see marriage as an immediate way out of poverty and hunger. How do you address this? I think that's the essence of the problem. If you talk to any development expert, I think now they will say, one of the most effective and most rapid and sustainable way of improving the development right across the board of a country is to educate girls and women. Uh, educate women and they will educate their children, they will invest in their families and their community. Educate girls and you delay the marriage, you have um, girls who want to be productive in their society who then when they marry will also ensure that their daughters are educated. And you know, it, 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 right, if you look at each of the Millennium Development Goals, you can say that by a strong focus on educating women and girls, we will achieve those goals much more rapidly. And yet, and yet there's a hidden, whole cultural, uh, not very well articulated fear in families in many parts of the world, notably in Asia, but also in African countries in Latin America, where you have a high prevalence of child marriage. And it is that if a girl is sexually active outside marriage, it will dishonor the family. If a girl is pretty looking at the age of 13, 14, 15, she is um, at risk. There is a security dimension. And that's part of the, uh, the cultural... Uh, undertone that has to be addressed and has to be addressed by having communities themselves be very proactive and discuss the 
disadvantages of child marriage for the girl, for her health, for her life, for her, um, you know, that it's, uh, it, it actually destroys her childhood. And the benefits of educating her, not just for her, but for her family and her community. PRB has taken a look at child marriage in a new policy brief and found that there is some progress and the number of girls being married before age 15 is declining in many countries. Uh, it was one in seven girls married at that young, now is one in nine. What do you think is responsible for that progress? I think there are a lot of groups working locally in communities and one of our objectives as elders in Focusing on this area is to help to strengthen a broad global alliance uh, for um, ending child marriage. But I'm afraid the numbers are still quite striking. For example, UNICEF has estimated um, in its report in September 2010 that 46% of girls in Asia are married uh, uh, under 18, 38% in Africa. 21% in Latin America and 18% in the Middle East and North Africa. So if you look at individual countries like Niger, 75% of young women are married before they turn 18. And in Chad, it's 72%. In Mali, it's 71%. In Yemen, it's 32%. So these are still huge percentages. 10 million girls marry each year under the age of 18, and some of them much, much younger. Is there a role for the UN to take on this issue? The UN has been concerned. UNFPA has projects. The um, UNDP has projects. They, 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 they have been concerned. UNICEF, in particular, um, has been very concerned in this area. Um, it's a question, I think, of supporting a broad alliance and making the issue more visible, not in a finger-pointing, condemnatory way that, that doesn't really help, but in a way that brings out the development gains of investing in girls, the importance of postponing uh, marriage through educating the girl herself. And that, I think, is also a way of tackling what I was speaking about earlier, the fear that um, if uh, the girl is not married, she is got a fair game. But in fact, educating girls helps them to be able to say no, to have a sense of their own worth, to be able to resist um, uh, improper advances, if I could put it that way. And that's really important um, in uh, communities. And communities need to have conversations in the community about the need to ensure that girls have equal access to education and stay in school right through secondary and need incentives to do that, which a lot of countries are now introducing. Sometimes it's bicycles or computers to families where girls have stayed in school um, uh, to the end of secondary school. Uh, because of the importance of that. Ethiopia is one of the child marriage hotspots, if you will, uh, countries in which one in two girls is married before age 18. Is there anything we can do to influence Ethiopia, as an example, to change its laws or enforcement? The elders are certainly uh, interested in seeing whether we can support groups in that region of East Africa, and um, including uh, Ethiopia. Uh, we uh, believe that the cultural uh, ethos is a little bit different in each uh, community, and but it's important to listen. It's important to see that one of the big factors that influences uh, the prevalence of child marriage is poverty, that there's a complex set of situations on the ground. So the elders are planning to have a visit that will enable us 
uh, to listen to local communities and help to bring out the factors that you know tend to increase the child marriage prevalence and the way in which we can counter it, um, and in particular the importance of uh, bringing home the importance of education and the, the, the risks to girls themselves, to their health, um, to uh, basically to their human rights as girls, um, rights to a childhood, rights to be able to have options uh, to postpone. But a, a good deal of it, as I said, is also a factor of poverty. And finally, I'd like to ask a more personal question, if I may. Um, I'm sure our listeners would love to know what do you attribute your success to and what led you to become the first women president of Ireland? But when I was growing up in the west of Ireland, uh, I wasn't uh, born into a political family. I was born into a medical family, basically. Both my parents were medical doctors, GPs, um, and I was the only girl uh, wedged between four brothers, two older and two younger. I sometimes joke that that gave me my early interest in human rights. But it certainly was to my advantage that my parents always emphasized that I had the same options my brothers had. And as well as that, and, and importantly, my brothers had to perform household chores, uh, washing dishes, bringing out rubbish, uh, you know, chores in the family. Very often, I think, um, uh, too often distinctions are made between the role of boys and girls in the family. And girls, particularly in uh, the countries we're talking of, of high child marriage prevalence, are, are seen as you know, being the ones that will carry out the household chores until they marry, and then when they marry, become... Uh, very much uh, entirely responsible within the home, and if they marry very young, can become, you know, almost, uh, but not almost, uh, can, can become pretty well slaves within a family um, at the age of 13 or 14, married to an older man, and slave to his family. Um, and, and that's uh, what we're really trying to tackle. I was very lucky in that I was encouraged to have a sense that I had the same potential as my brothers, that I could uh, benefit from the education that my parents uh, worked hard to provide us with and that um, that gave me every opportunity in that sense. And I I, I will always appreciate and be grateful for that. Well, thank you so much again, Mrs. Robinson, and I wish you all the best in your work. Thank you very much. You can also find PRB's Policy Brief, Who Speaks for Me, Ending Child Marriage, on PRB's website at www.prb.org.